feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up. You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, Twister Man. Man. Now look, here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I dig One of my favorite songs from one of my favorite albums yep. ever made. That's a great, great song. I didn't I didn't know that you listened to them. Yeah. Jawbox. Yeah. That was I feel like that is the quintessential like nineties post punk song. Post post hardcore, yeah. 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 That whole album was that 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 changed that whole genre and kind of started what became the post hardcore kind of movement that got really, really huge. Yeah, I love that band. I loved seeing them on uh, like live performances on MTV or yeah. I feel like they might have done Saturday Night Live once. I think there's a, a really good version of that song. It's like on the like the Craig Kilburn show or something. Yeah, something, yeah, or yeah. One of the bigger talk shows. Yes. Um, they have that female bass player that with just an enormous bass. Yeah. And, and she like she rocks out and rocks. Yeah, yeah. She's got one of the best bass tones I've, of all time. I think. Yeah. I went into a studio to record an album. He goes, bring me an example of the bass tones that you would like to get. And that was the first one I gave him. He goes, we're not getting that bass. Yeah, tone. No one even <laughs> yeah. knows how that was done. Yeah. That's just like pure magic. <laughs> they, um, this was back in she's mid nineties, early nineties. Um, Jawbreaker was one of my. Uh, In case you need a yeah, visual reference, uh, oh. Mike's pulled up a bunch of images <laughs> of, of jaws. actual jawbones nice. in here. <laughs> it was my favorite band, one of my favorite bands, was Jawbreaker. Ah, and as you can see, the Jawbreaker. Yeah, thanks, Mike. On the screen, <laughs> please derail everything that's to say. <laughs> but um, Jawbox opened up for Jawbreaker, and I had heard them before, but I hadn't really seen them and and yeah it's kind of a confusing lineup yeah and you know at that time because you're kind of a hot-headed punk kid you're just like i just I want, i'm here to see the band i'm here to see and, right and they played and i was blown away i left there so much so that um i kind of i was like ho-hum for the jawbreaker set i was like how do, how do you follow that up they're so amazing i got the album right when i got home from that show that weekend yeah it was amazing yeah and that song is just like a once in a lifetime song. Yeah. If you're a band and you write a song that good, it's just like you can never repeat that. That that kind of like big country and 
big country. <laughs> exactly. That uh, that album is because it's funny. It's also another kind of genre defying for that post hardcore is uh, Yank Crime by Driver Like Jehu. And those right. two albums, those are, it's those two albums and Quicksand Slip, which is I would also put in that category. Those are only like besides like maybe Slayer's Rain and Blood, like the albums I think of like that. Those albums are perfect start to finish. Like even my favorite albums, like ah, they got a dud here and a dud there. Like those albums are completely flawless. Every song is a ten out of ten. I've always thought that about those three albums, and they all came out right around that time. It was such an awesome time for music. Yeah, my sister in law was asking me last night what decade was the greatest decade for music. I don't know if you could tell from my voice, but I've taken up smoking. I feel like it kind of <laughs> helps with the tone. Smoking crack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let out. me clarify. <laughs> Would you like some? (laughs) (laughs) And what I finally came up with, the greatest decade for music, was actually, well, let me me ask, maybe you guys have an opinion. Mm -hmm. What do you think the greatest decade Uh, to be? Man, that's hard to pick. It's a stupid question. I I, I mean, 90s are pretty solid. Yes. uh, Because, I mean, just, we... At that time when all that music started coming out and then the whole, I don't know, it's stupid. I mean, labels are for soup cans, but what they called alternative. But at that time when I guess Nirvana got huge, mm-hmm. this is so like mainstream and nostalgic to even talk about at this point. But that opened the door yeah. for Soundgarden and you know, Pearl Jam and all these bands. And all of a sudden it kind of opened the door like this kind of music, this heavy kind of music could be part of the mainstream and if you think about what it was replacing at that time, what, what were like big radio bands? Yeah. It was like Hootie, Hootie and the Blowfish oh, right. and like Poison was like, exactly. you, know, you know, metal, hair metal ballads and yeah, Skid Row, like still trying to squeak in a hit. And then like the mainstream was you know, Gin Blossoms and Hootie and the Blowfish and Spin Doctors. Just Spin Doctors. And it was like a whole like, he had a couple of years. I'm like, here's music for people that really don't listen to music. And they just put that in the background and, you know, we'll make that a hit, a number one hit. It's funny, though, that music lasted and then the year 2000 hit and like, okay, we're going right back to that shit. Yeah. But we're going to do the same treatment that we did to all that glam because the glam stuff and even you could, I think you could make the argument Hootie and Spin Doctors came from something cooler mm-hmm. and just got totally distorted and turned into this bubblegum bullshit by... By the um, music if, industry, if and they did the same thing with alternative rock in the year two thousand. Like if, that's when you started seeing, you know, the Nickelbacks come onto the scene. And if like, there was a, if there was a phase of Hootie and the Blowfish that was cooler, I'd love the first. One <laughs> no, to dude, it. their first album really, you got to <laughs> check it out. <laughs> they went downhill quick, but no, that first album was some real hardcore shit. So I'll tell you what the best. I think the best. Okay. Uh, decade was 1985 to 1995. 85 to 95. Okay. Wait, what are the, what's that book ended by? The yep. fives. <laughs> what, what are the, <laughs> what happened in 85? What, what are the kind of quintessential 85? albums of I'm that? Just shooting from the hip. Yeah. Cause I think you have to include some late eighties stuff like hip hop started mm-hmm. getting really, really good in the mid to late eighties. Um, and then you, you have to include all that nineties um, post-punk stuff mm-hmm. that we were just talking about. and um, So you can't just say the 90s because it excludes a lot of good stuff from the late 80s. Yeah. And by 99, it was Matchbox 20 and fucking, you know, they were starting to slide down that. <laughs> Matchbox 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, God. What's that song he does with Carlos Santana? It actually makes me angry. Don't do it. It's not. It was Goo Goo Dolls, I think. I don't think it was Matchbox 20, was it? I think it was Matchbox 20. It was like the same. Oh, dude, let's talk about something else. It will never leave your head. Yeah. Don't do it. I'm Um, doing it. They're also, uh, early 2000s were pretty amazing for me personally. Sorry. Because that's when uh, hardcore got really big and hardcore became like metalcore. Like, uh, because I always loved metal as a kid. But it's hard to take seriously as a kid because you don't really identify with dudes in long hair and corpse paint. And they're talking about you know slaying dragons in hell and stuff like that. And then hardcore I loved because it was just fast and it was aggressive. And you could identify with the lyrics, but it gets really derivative and simple like really quickly. And it, so the genre got really stale in the 80s. And then you merged the two. You had these hardcore kids you could identify with you know, because they're dressed like another skater kid like you are. But they're playing just like badass stereo. <laughs> Come on, Sorry. <laughs> oh. Makes you want to shake your hips. You know what Sports, makes me man. want to do is start my own solo <laughs> podcast without you or Mike. <laughs> Maybe I could write the theme music for it. Okay. Well, you killed the conversation, so feel free to start <laughs> yeah, another one. And, and for context on your question, was it all about in our lifetimes, what we personally think was best, the best decade, or just of all time? Because I would think every Well, generation, the 1580s were actually... I was uh, going to say the 1700s. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a big like, Baroque You can't guy. use a whole century. Yeah, but like the first decade of the 17... greatest for music? <laughs> like we got some like Johann Sebastian Bach coming on the scene, like ripping it up, like... <laughs> I think you're getting all of your Johann Sebastian Bach information from that movie, Amadeus. I don't trust you. I like that movie. So uh, I have a retraction to make from last episode. Mm. Um, is I had been recounting a conversation that I had with a lefty friend a long time ago who said, is it interesting? I mean, you got to admit the left has a monopoly on sense of humor, and to which I just... Replied with stunned confusion. That makes no sense. <laughs> and then said something like, I'd, we must be living on completely different planets at this point. Yeah. And I made some comment. I was like, I, you mean the same left that's canceling comedians and white comedians won't go to college campuses anymore and they're canceling books and TV shows and I don't know, on and on and on, stuff we always talk about. Is I thought, I was pretty sure that I was right in my assessment. And I think I need to make like a small retraction is that I found something that came from the left that made me realize like they got a pretty amazing sense of humor. Oh, yeah. So you guys know Eric Swalwell? <laughs> He's a congressman <laughs> yeah. in California. Fang Fangs? Yeah, lover. yeah. He's, he took a break from banging a Chinese spy and released uh, this ad this week. Just nice family hanging out. Um, nom, 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 You're weird. He is weird. You're weird. But cute. Let me see police lights outside here. Mary Anderson? Yes? I have a warrant for your arrest. Arrest for what? Penal code 243 violation. Unlawful termination of a pregnancy. You gotta be kidding me. That that is my personal business. That's for the courts to decide, ma'am. Your medical records have been subpoenaed and Dr. Landry's already in custody. No, my, my God, you, you, you can't just... You will have to submit to a physical examination. 
What? By who? No, no, no one's touching her. Turn around. Put your hands behind your back. Now. Why is this happening? Love you, honey bear. We're just enforcing the law here. Elections have consequences. I, I owe the left an apology. That was pretty amazing, guys. You know, if you <laughs> listen to that and think of it as this, like, so let's say that that's, that was uh, real, right? And that woman had just had an abortion and therefore she was being arrested. Mm-hmm. What if that was California and they she had aborted a, uh, a baby, killed a baby mm-hmm. right after it was born and the umbilical cord was not cut? You could justify that commercial as being that is the right way to handle that situation. Yeah, I believe that's there's nothing. It's called murder, exactly, and that's why the abortion debate is so like two ships passing in the night. It's the people that are pro life see that as murder, yeah, and the people that are pro choice don't see that as a life at all. And you and I have always said we don't really care about abortion as a, a topic. It's not a hot button for us. Yeah, but. I do care about people murdering babies. Mm-hmm. So in California now, they're going to make it legal for you to abort a pregnancy the hour before you give birth, which by every definition is a baby. That is, is that, baby killing. Is that true? No. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> it is... It is um, I mean, I've heard that it, being proposed. It is, that is like, the case in no Oregon. That, can. that is the case in Oregon, and that is being proposed in California. Really? See, I just uh, I, maybe I've, Mike could correct me if I'm wrong about I've, that. I've ignored the complete issue. I just I can't. People get so hysterical. I'm like, I can't just take part in this discussion. Sometimes we do say things on this podcast <laughs> entirely <laughs> Much, researched. Not not unlike uh, concrete truck drivers who tend to say things. You want to go there? Sure. Uh, so I got a message from uh, somebody on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, step 13 fab. Do you know who that is? You don't have to say if you do, but nope. Okay. Uh, just caught the latest episode. Your guest producer mentioned something about MNRNA, uh, MRNA being tested on animals with negative effects. If you have any more info on that, your audience would love to see it. So Anthony, our guest producer had Mm -hmm. mentioned that. So, uh, I texted him. He said, yeah, something he'd heard a while ago, actually, even before, uh, all the COVID hysteria Uh that, uh, Ten years later, all those animals were just dead or crippled really? from that. So I texted him to see if he could find a source, and uh, he wasn't having any luck. Are you guys, so are you, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, are you guys seeing that um, there's just record withdrawals from school because of the flu right now, like in Virginia? What and, do you mean? Uh, withdrawals? Like, like, like 40% of high school populations are home with the flu right now. Really? Yeah. What? I can't remember what state it was. I just saw I saw a couple of headlines, but I saw one specific that was talking about one specific state. Do you have a theory on that or anything? Yeah, and people they don't have an immune system. They uh, cooped up and you know bathed themselves in hand sanitizer and masks and <laughs> stayed six. You know, refused to go into uh, all the ways that we usually shore up our immune systems. How we always say, like, isn't it weird how people in the trades never get sick? I'm like, yeah, it's just they're exposed. Because we're always to- wearing masks. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> they're exposed to filth all the time. And when there's a, you know, if you have the flu, like, well, I'm go- still going to work. And so you give it to your buddies and they kick it the next day or if, even if they ever get it. But that had been, 
something that had been proposed by, you know, medical professionals. They're saying, like, we're going to see we're stifling people's immune systems by shutting, by locking down like this. It's just going to be, you can be for the lockdowns, for the masks, for the vaccine, whatever. Whether, you know, but this is the, this is the, this is a medical fact, no matter where you stand on this as a political issue or whatever. <clears throat> Did you see that article um, about, let's see, uh, from funeral directors saying that 95% of the corpses that they see had received the vaccination within two weeks of death? Really? This is... Uh, I've seen the one about they're taking out giant fibrous clots that they've never seen mm-hmm. before. Really? Taking these out of bodies. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah. Uh, This was... uh, Unfortunately, they provided a picture of it, which I did not need to see. This is from Epic Times. The story is by Enrico Tregoso, October 20th. Um, Yeah, apparently, and that was in the UK. Yeah, apparently they they know that somehow. I'm not going to read you the whole article, but... Mm -hmm. um, what was the statement again? He said that, so in the first 20 days, I counted 19. Let's see. When I started count- counting in August of last year, it was one after the other, after the other, after the other. When I got to 20, it was 19 who had died within two weeks of getting the vaccine. So the first 20 days, I counted 19 of them. That's 95%, the funeral director explained. The next number was 100% of the people who had died had been vaccinated within two weeks. Wow. I mean, it's this just keeps popping up. The stories like this keep popping up over and we, over we, and over again. We, and meanwhile, California is passing a law to make it illegal for doctors to say something, even if that thing is the truth yeah. or backed up by science or data. You can lose your your uh, light medical license mm-hmm. for saying that the vaccine is dangerous. Yeah, tell me how that's following the science. It's Science Inc. Fucking. Yeah, I believe that. We might want to look that up, Mike. I think that's California Bill. T- I thought the. 2098. I can't remember exactly. I thought the government already signed that, right? <clears throat> um, and then did you see the article? Uh, scientists from Harvard and Johns Hopkins found. COVID-19 vaccines 98 times worse than the virus? Really? Yeah. This is See, in Citizens Journal. All this stuff US. is kind of, uh, it's just all part of the ether now because I've been looking at this stuff for close to two years now and my position on it has remained fairly unchanged. But it is somewhat comforting to see that it's finally kind of leaking into the mainstream zeitgeist finally. Like if you just type in, we've talked about this, just type in died suddenly into your search engine and just look at the just hundreds of articles come up of just healthy young athletes and actors and you know, artists yeah. and just, you know, healthy young people just dropping dead, dying, you know, died suddenly. There was that Heart thing attack, where the, the leading stroke. cause of death uh for young people in Quebec mm-hmm. was unknown cause. Yeah. <laughs> It went from like five hundred a year to like five thousand in as we say one if, year. If you're taking something where they didn't run the experiments, you are the experiment. Right so. now is the the current list. Just did the search. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to look at, man, because it has a lot of kids in there. That's why I can only kind of spend limited exposure to this stuff. Um, I have something else that uh, someone wanted to address on the podcast that our guest producer, Anthony, brought up. 
um, in that he was his his his. Is this kinda, a good thing that Anthony's uh, getting all these comments, or a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> they are interesting prompts for discussion, and this is that Anthony provided as his um, example. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, so correct me if you think I'm saying something wrong. But his his example for the importance of government was the proof that the Golden Gate Bridge had been built. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yes. And uh, the I got government the, built the I Golden got Gate this, Bridge. This comment. Uh, just listen to the podcast. The government couldn't build the Golden Gate Bridge. The founder of Bank of America funded it personally by buying all the bonds and made a ton in interest and was able to open branches all over the Northern California area. I would say that he did this in his interest. He got paid back with the interest and got to open more branches. This was not a government deal. Hmm. But let's call him. So the, the but the point of us bringing that up is that if there was a need, if there was a financial need that people would benefit for, government or not, that bridge would, would be built. And then the, right. argu- the argument went from there that it would, be in the, it would have been built more efficiently and for less and, and would have taken less time. It would have gotten done more efficiently. And I have been thinking about this a lot, and I started kind of looking in. As we head into California, we're looking at the midterms, and so we're, talk- we're talking about like the different ballot initiatives that people are going to start voting on. And I found this. So <clears throat> the, uh, the Noe Valley area, which I believe we both used to live in at different times in, yep. in San Francisco. It's a very, very nice area of San Francisco. They have been pleading for a public toilet for over a decade now like in, in their downtown square area. We need, a, we need a public toilet here. Why do you think they felt like they needed a public toilet? I don't know. Do you think it's because homeless people are shitting on the street? I don't think the homeless problem is that bad in Noe Valley. Probably not. I haven't not. been there over 10 years, so. But I was just thinking, like, if you think shitting on the street is bad, wait till you see what happens to a public yeah, toilet. Yeah, I was, I was, as a side issue, they do have these toilets in downtown San Francisco in the financial district. Right. And it is straight up like that, out of that movie, Event Horizon. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> like, close that door. Do not ever open it again. So um, just made of stainless steel, everything. So you can go in there with a fire hose, just wash everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like one of those bomb-proof doors. They just throw a grenade in there and close it. <laughs> that ought to sanitize it. So after this, this these pleas for this toilet have been going on for over a decade now. Swift to jump into action. California Assemblyman uh, Matt Haney jumped into action and unveiled new plans that we're going to give you guys this toilet. And he planned a party in Noe Valley because like, why not? We, we should celebrate my accomplishment that I'm giving you guys a toilet, which is my job and I haven't done anything yet, but I'm going to. So let's have a party. This plan, this party was supposed to happen last week and it got canceled. Matt Haney canceled it. And the reason why he canceled it is the far right wing extreme San Francisco Chronicle ran an expose. Like, oh God, that <laughs> rag. That might as well be the New York Post. <laughs> they uh, they uncovered like, hey, have you guys looked at the details of this toilet? And this is a perfect example of the things we talk about when people are like, oh, you guys are just anti-government wingnuts. Like, no, we're pointing out the inefficiency and the fraud and the waste and the corruption, and we that's what we want to change. This toilet was projected to be open for use by 2025. So for those of you, oh, we don't that, want to rush it. Yeah, those of you that grew up with Common Core, that's you know two and a half years to build a public toilet, and it was going to cost one point seven million dollars. Wow, for for one toilet, really? Yeah, that's expensive. It is. <laughs> that's kind of well, my point. <laughs> because in in uh, in our hometown, uh, back in twenty twenty one, 
we did a public toilet in mm-hmm. front of City Hall. Mm-hmm. And our toilet only cost two hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a, so, like a screaming deal. That's a deal, <laughs> that right? Is. I mean, you and I have done a number of bathroom remodels over the years. I mean, the average bathroom remodel is somewhere in that in the seven b- figures between yeah, yeah, yeah. two sixty-seven <laughs> and one million. So I can see how that. Yeah, would I mean, be. they're they're in the wheelhouse. I'm not saying yeah. that. It just seems a right. little no a million. A little high. that's that's probably nice though. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh yeah, I'm it, sure it had a bidet. It usually are. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did it have a bathroom attendant? So, um, no. But just like a guy in body armor. What? Like a, I don't know what's AR-15. worse though is that that Matt Haney was celebrating that he's at the cost of the taxpayers going to provide a, a public toilet for 1.7 million dollars, or that he was throwing himself a party because of his wonderful idea. I was like, dude, the, the audacity of like it, it's such. A, a perfect unveiling of like these, this is what these people think of you. They do not have your best interest in mind. Not only that, they, they, they view themselves as like these exalted benevolent rulers. And I'm going to spend $1.7 million of your money for a toilet. And then you're going to also pay for a party that shows how, right. how wonderful I am. Right. It's like, it's just, it, if that doesn't make your, Okay, and what's that doesn't at least make you like maybe we should look at the details of some of these ballot initiatives that I'm voting for. Yeah, I don't know what's worse, uh, whether he did that out of spite or just out of ignorance, thinking people are really gonna love this. We should throw a party. Yeah, it's like it reminds me of when uh, George Bush, you know, sent troops in illegally to Iraq, and then he called for the nation, like, "Hey guys, make sure you pray for me as I do this." Like. As, uh, there's that old David Cross here. Like, was he munching on a giant turkey leg? Like, ah, don't forget to pay for me, dude. <laughs> like, dude, bring it down a notch. You, you know, I understand that you guys are corrupt psychopaths, but does it have to be like this much into the open? So when they um, they hit him, you know, when this came out, and this is like perfect political jargon. They they said um, they reached Matt Haney for con- for um, for comment. Like, hey, one point seven million dollars for a toilet. Like, can you explain that? This is what he said. Quote. They told me 1.7 million, and I got 1.7 million. Haney explained, "I didn't have the option of bringing home less of the bacon when it comes to building a toilet. A half a toilet, or a toilet maybe someday, is not much use to anyone." Mm, good point. <laughs> yes. Okay. Fair point. Half a toilet. No. Not too useful. But I love this because when you really look at what he's saying, there, it's like I love when politicians, and I have like more examples of this, is that when they get cornered into their own bullshit, which is almost is always their own bullshit. What they do, this, and this is pretty genius political move, and once you kind of pick up on it, you realize like this happens all the time. They answer a question that was not asked. It's like, no, what we're saying is, why does a toilet cost $1.7 million? And he, he goes, oh, well, what I'm saying is, is the toilet's $1.7 million. That's a given. Okay, we all agree on that, right? Okay, so I had to get the full 1.7, because otherwise I can't just construct half the toilet. Right, and, and or the, no whoever, toilet. And whoever, yeah, and whoever got that, you know, asked for this comment, goes like, hmm, okay, interesting. Right. Whereas, like, if you're paying attention, you're like, no, no, no. I'm asking you why the toilet costs $1.7 million. That's the question. Answer the question that I'm asking you, not the one that you just made up in your head. I have a, a decent example of that, uh, not related to toilets, mm-hmm. but of, act- of a politician actually getting asked a tough question. Yeah. Would you like to hear it? Sure. It's going to derail you. I want to ruin your train of thought here. Whoa, is that true? <laughs> well, I mean, in spirit. I don't want to ruin your train of thought, but uh, you want to listen to Santana for a couple minutes? <laughs> this is uh, Karine Jean-Claude Van Damme being uh, asked a question. Oh, dude, uh, she the, is a treasure chest. Yeah. 
government decision, I would refer you to them. Okay. Thank you, Kareem. So you're asking oil companies to further lower gas prices. What makes you think that they are going to listen to an administration that is ultimately trying to put them out of business? How, how is the administration trying to put them out of business? Well, they produce fossil fuels, and this president says he wants to end fossil fuel. Zing! <laughs> <laughs> that was the equivalent of the uh, super snarky, passive-aggressive uh, totally. email you get from someone Dude. who... As per our last, as per our last email, right? When you're saying what you're saying, read the fucking email, yeah. Or you get or from the, or you get something from the engineer, like as I as I drew it on the plans, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's good. Uh, I, th- I think I got something that can compete with that. All right. This All right. is uh, potential Georgia Governor Stacey Abrams. She's being asked about inflation. So, Miss Abrams, uh, so back to the root of Joe's question that he just asked you. You're running for governor of Georgia. Uh, I would assume, maybe incorrectly, but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do. A governor can address housing prices. A governor can address the cost of education. A governor can put money into the pockets of everyday hardworking Georgians instead of giving tax cuts to the wealthy. Uh, That's what I talk about on the trail, and that's what's resonating. But let's not pretend that women, half the population, especially those of childbearing age, they understand that having a child is absolutely an economic issue. So if you try to interpret that word salad, it's is it is it just me or, or, is your, or is your answer so what so okay I, I understand that you want to talk about abortion um and that's your main talking point since that's all really the left has right now to run that in january 6th i guess <laughs> like they're too kind of it you know they don't really have much of a leg to stand on coming in the midterms and by all accounts it looks like they're gonna get their ass handed to us so you guys so she stays on that abortion talking point and, and here's the perfect example of like i'm answering a question that i wasn't asked okay so it even says like Okay, I got what you're saying, but again, the question that we're asking you, like, what do you say these families are struggling with the price of gas, the price of food? <laughs> Essentially, it's like, I, you could kill your kids. I mean, there's a good way to save money. Cue Eric Swalwell's commercial right <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> That's why the police are coming. <laughs> uh, dude, I got to piss like a sawhorse. Okay. <laughs> So I may have played my last soccer game of my adult life. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Mike, I don't, I don't know if I told you about this, but at uh, Sports City where we play soccer, um, they had a during COVID they had a policy 
to make people go out one door and in the other door so that people who are socializing outside of the soccer arena and then playing soccer, bumping into each other and breathing all over each other inside the soccer arena would not cross paths when the game changes, right? So they made, which makes a lot of sense, right? So I always resisted this stupid policy and went out the indoor. And uh, they did not appreciate this. But now that COVID's over, guess what? That policy is still in place. You still have to go out the outdoor and if in If it can just save indoor. one life. <laughs> well, I got confronted at the door, and the manager talked to me about it, and she said, look, it's not about COVID anymore. We don't want sweaty people running into each other, and we want to get the game started on you time. You run a soccer complex. <laughs> the door is four foot wide. There is no reason why two people can't easily pass through it. And if you're so concerned about the game starting on time, how about having the dude at the door to check us in on time? Mm-hmm. The guy's always late, and you end up with no time to warm up, which is kind of a liability, I think, on their part, because that's how injuries, you know, in theory happen. So, anyways, uh, I said, okay, noted. And then the other night, we were wrapping up the game, and... Uh, I started walking for the indoor, and this manager was standing in front of the door, pointing, Kelly, out that door. And I just said, Nikki, I can't do it. She's like, <laughs> you, you have to go out that door. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. And I walked right past her. Well, I get an email a couple days ago. I have been suspended for the remainder of this session, which just started. And so, therefore, it's basically costing me about 150 bucks that I can't get back and a $25 fine if I do come back. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that's right. So, um, naturally, I got my lawyer involved and <laughs> not really thinking through the consequences, the I will admit. <laughs> recreational soccer scandal of 2022. So, that's a pretty American thing I, to do. I have, um, I don't know if I told you this, but I applied for law school. So, Wow. I may be an attorney one day. <laughs> when this happens, <laughs> I am going to be sure to advise my clients before pulling a move like this to think about the consequences of taking your sports facility to court. I realize now there's a very, very high chance that I'm not going to be allowed to play ever, ever again yeah. in that place. I'm pretty sure I sealed the deal. Did your lawyer tell you this before you did whatever it is you did? No, and, and I'm not saying it's his responsibility to tell me that, but sure that, it is. that would have been, uh, the, I, I will give that advice to my clients, that I got your back on this, I have nothing I'd like more than a fight. Just, but, just, a, just FYI, just something to, I don't know, just put it in the background, suing people, it will ruffle your feathers <laughs> a little bit, and you could possibly for an extended amount of time ruin that relationship, just Yeah, something to think about. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't actually know if I care. Yeah. Which is probably the reason I did it in the first place, to be honest. So let me ask you: Would you have reacted that way if it wasn't the if it wasn't for the COVID pandemic and all the theater surrounding that? No. Yeah. Nor if I had more respect for them, because the way that they run their business in this place is just bonkers yeah. to me. It's like they're allergic to making money. They go out of their way to make the experience there miserable for the people that that uh, play soccer there. At least that's what it seems like. And yeah. so they tell me to do something, and I'm like, you guys are morons. I'm not going to do it. 
I've, I've had a... You know what else is going to seal the deal of me not getting to play there again? Is this podcast, because I know a few people that play soccer that are listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get back to them. Uh, I've had a pretty consistent uh, problem with any kind of authority since I was a kid, and it had, but it did get ratcheted up during just just the notion of useless theater, of going through pointless exercises that, that uh, I have such a hot button for it now because of the pandemic and... We got to wear masks, you know, to the dentist chair and then take it off. And we're going to literally put our hands in your mouth and then you need to put the mask back on to walk. <laughs> just, I've seen so much just useless, like ritualistic, mindless behavior that I'm just, I, I, I will not partake in any of it. I'm just done with it all to the yeah. point of, uh, to the point of being irrational. Like you're being irrational. Like, yes. Just, just walk out the other yes, door. Yes. I but, admit it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you'd be, it's like. Well, it's a reaction to just two years of a complete mindless irrationality. This yeah. is this is the reaction. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're thinking things clearly. Yeah. yeah. On, on the soccer field, no. You guys are with with no hootie and the blowfish, there'd be no sound garden. You see, Thank it's you. a pendulum Thank that you. swings back and forth. This is your fault, is what I'm getting at. I will not walk out that door. And it's your fault that I mm-hmm. won't do it. And I'm gonna take you to court. They are architects of the clown world. Oh, I'm the asshole in. now. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. But I didn't get here on my own accord. Do you guys happen to see the, I don't know if you, how much time you spent on Twitter, but the uh, guy with the lint roller at the front of a building, he's standing there acting like security, just standing there, lint roller, sweatsuit, and he he just, when the people comes up, he puts his arms out, like, assume the position. <laughs> Every, and, like, they're just, they're videoing this guy. Everybody assumes the position, and he lint rolls them. <laughs> And people are so conditioned. Yeah, brilliant. It's that's yeah. The the knee jerk reaction people that have to just be part of the flock is it's glaring examples of that. So, with the pandemic was so perfect for playing that out. You just look around. You're like, why are we all doing this? Like, why are you doing this? It's wild to watch. The it's I think a lot of it goes back to the uh, Matthias Desmet guy and the match formation, the stuff we talked about. It's all this free floating anxiety in our in our society, and people once they find they need they have such a a need for a locus of control in their life. They have such a lack of control of like you know just psychological well being and control of this anxiety. If you give them a simple ritualistic task, it gives them a sense of calm. Like I this I have control over this. You know I have control over that me and this other guy are wearing a mask and that makes me part of the community. I wonder if the opposite effect is, has happened to people like you and me as well. How do you mean? I think I'm probably more reactive now than I was before. Oh dude, absolutely. All of this. Right. And so I just got, there I, is something that I almost like, I, I mean, I'd like a fight, you know? Yeah. And this is like the new fight. Yeah. And it's about, it's ridiculous. It's about this door, but I'm just like, I'm on, I'm at nine all the time now. Right. Whereas before you were solid, like eight, eight. five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been a steady six. <laughs> well, I'll add that it, 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 it's a, a counter, um, I don't know, problem after effect of this is that whoever's, putting these rules in place and exercising the power of oh, people give it up. But those that think about it and wear out, I don't know, get worn out on it. It's like they lose trust for that uh, power structure organization, whatever, forever. I'm just going to say like where I work right now, 
there's a mask rule, like masks, you have to wear masks. But at this, oh, because it's, yes. No, no, no. But this is just in, in office buildings. What? Yeah. But the thing is, is that everybody sees it as a farce. Like everyone's just wearing their chin diaper type thing with their mouth exposed. Like no one's into it. So whatever, you know, when this thing start out, they're like, oh, we're going to do what you say at this point like the respect for the organization's gone down. Right. Right. And I think that's like right. a negative effect of all this. Exactly. Everyone can see through this bullshit. And when your organization just continues to maintain that this bullshit is, is truth, how can you do anything but lose respect? Right. There's a perspective on that that where it applies to like all the bullshit laws that we make. And I can't remember, there is a name for this, um, that, which I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but if you make enough petty, trivial bullshit laws, nonsense laws, nonsense ritualistic rules and behaviors that you have to adhere to, people will ignore all laws. Like, yes. you know what? Why should, I, why should I abide by any of these? There's a book that I actually highly recommend called Traffic. And uh, in this book, the author talks about countries that are the safest and have the most, the highest percentage of the population that follows the traffic rules. Mm-hmm. Um or also known as the lowest percentage of people who participate in free driving. Um, So what's the subtitle of that book? Why we drive the way we do and what it says about you as a person is the subtitle of the book, (laughs) 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 basically. And so in this book, he says that um, countries with higher levels of corruption Mm -hmm. will have higher traffic deaths because there's people just disregard all the rules. Right. Right. So your country's corrupt. You look at a, traffic light as an extension of that government rightfully so and you ignore it because you're like why would i obey this ridiculous silly government yeah what a good argument for a libertarian society where Mm -hmm. that's not a government traffic light that's the traffic light that i pay for right voluntarily and is actually part of my community and i can fire them if you know we can fire them if we wanted to kind of an attitude instead of just this Big brother always looking out after you with, you know, tra- traffic cameras. And, and I, th- I think once that the subjects of this, you know, civilization, once it becomes apparent, you reach the threshold where there's enough of an awareness that you are embedded in X amount of systemic corruption or the people making the rules are corrupt or they are tyrants. Maybe they're not corrupt. Maybe they're just complete authoritarians and they make enough bullshit rules and they, you know, subjugate their population enough. Like you, I think you reach this tipping point. There's this critical mass. They're like, I'm ignoring all of this stuff. And then you're seeing that, Mike, at your new work with like the, the mask mandates. It's like, this is ridiculous. We're not going to follow any of this stuff. And then systemically things break down. And you're just like, I no longer respect this supposed authority. Like I realize that they're full of shit. And I think more and more people are catching on to that. <clears throat> I'm surprised Cheesecake Factory has that rule for office workers. Yeah, aren't you just the hostess? <laughs> yeah. You're outside most of the time. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so something, when we were talking about the uh, the $1.7 million toilet, is I started doing like a deeper dives. As I said, I was thinking more about like the midterms coming up, and I've been speaking to people about, there's all these like feel-good measures coming up on the ballot of like, it's going to be, there'll always be, we're going to fix the roads. There'll be that tax. And then there's a tax for, um, for the schools. And then there's a tax to, I don't know, give the elderly 
go-karts, whatever it is. You know what I mean? All the stuff that like sounds good on paper. And I always, yeah, that sounds (laughs) really good. (laughs) Well, consider it a kind of a population control is what I'm getting at. (laughs) That major was sponsored by Bill Gates. So what I'm saying is you got to read the (laughs) fine print. (laughs) You got to read the fine print on these things. And I always tell people, I was like, no matter how good the thing looks on paper, when you go to vote for these things, because when people like us that believe in like a smaller or limited government and I reflexively vote against all taxes. And the reason why is like, it's not because I hate poor people or I just enjoy watching, you know, our infrastructure fall apart or anything like that. It's like, I look at government and the people making these policies. They're like my drug addicted teenage son who's fully off the rails. Mm -hmm. And at some point I go like, you wrecked your car, you wrecked my car, you stole my tools, you stole your mom's credit cards we're cutting you off until you get your shit together, until you go to rehab and come home with a C no, average. No, Matt. We are not needs, giving you anything. No. He needs I've more tried. money. We're on year number if four you of this. give him more money. <laughs> we're on year number four of this. He'll figure it out. And so I started thinking about, like, what are, like, some of the historic, uh, you know, in California, as we go into the midterms, what are, like, some of the historic, like, boondoggles that we've had, just complete cash grab, you know? And the first thing that came to mind is I remember arguing in 2008 with people about the California gay marriage, <laughs> the bullet train, uh-huh. which is a metaphor for gay marriage. And here's where I'm going with this. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> is, <laughs> I'll give you a bullet train. <laughs> um, I remember telling people, I was like, keep your eye on this. Like number one, first thing you look at with these initiatives, make sure that money is going to what you're voting for. If you want to get reach, achieve this like utopic California society, with all these like high social welfare programs, read the fine print of these initiatives. Like let's let's I'm speaking to the left from the left right now because more often than not that money goes straight to the general fund. The general fund is primarily used to uh, shore up unfunded pension liabilities and giant no big crony capitalist pro- uh, projects. And the bullet train is like the perfect example of that. Yep. And so here's the problem: I go like when you guys vote on these things. Is they push through specific numbers and uh, and a completion date, just like this one point seven million dollar toilet. They're like, look, I'm all that. That's so outlandish as it is on its face, and they won't even hit those marks. It's going to be more money, and they're going to finish it in like twenty twenty eight. Yep. And what happens with these with these ballot initiatives is no one. There's no accountability. No one looks back. Like that thing I I voted on two years ago. Like how is that going right now? I'm like, what's how are they doing with the budget? And what are they going to hit that completion date? I started looking at the details of the bullet train. It was originally sold to us for $38 billion, between 33 and 38, which was also supposed to be matched by private investment. Right. Right. And it was going to be completed by 2020. And it was going to be, for those of you not in California, a high-speed railway that went from Sacramento through the San Francisco Bay Area all the way down to San Diego. And it was a way to connect the entire state. Have you looked at where we are now with the bullet train? Is there even one segment nope. completed? Nope. And I love that the, okay, I know it would be nice to serve San Francisco and Sacramento and LA and San Diego, but we got to start slow. So we're going to serve Bakersfield and, and Merced. Fresno. Like, <laughs> what? Well, it's, it's the, the model that they have, though, of connecting those communities. I mean, it's like, a kind of similar, like almost exactly like what JetBlue and Southwest do multiple times, a hundred times a day for an average yeah. cost of $140 a ticket at right. average speed of 500 miles per hour cruising speed. It's like that, not quite as fast. 
but um, well, yeah, I mean, it's lower to the ground. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and it also it's what's good about the bullet train is it fulfills California's like quasi religious fixation on choo choo trains. Well, I was just gonna say the sound a jet makes is like, and the sound the bullet train makes is choo choo, which obviously is better. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a little different than that because they're going to reach a top speed of 150 miles an hour as opposed to the 500 that a jet would make. So well, that's too fast. Yeah, that's one. That's my point. Like, I mean, imagine just, what that would do to your neck. It's just like not a, safe. Like the whiplash. Yeah. And what if it stopped all of a sudden? Planes. Ah, never mind. Is I think all this stuff is related because whether it's the bullet train or the 1.7 million dollar public toilet, or as Anthony had brought up the Golden Gate Bridge is like, these are all kind of overarching perfect examples of like, here's why I reflexively vote against all the stuff. Let's say that I love the idea of choo-choos, right? <laughs> and then we should all ride one. I mean, I voted for the smart train here. This was years ago. I was, it's a, I was just going to bring up the smart train. It's a beautiful train. It's really nice. It's nice looking. No one's ever on it. It's yeah. a ghost train. That's what makes it so That's beautiful. so nice. You have an entire train to yourself. <laughs> So at this point, we're up to $113 billion. Huh. Uh, we are spending $1.8 million a day. And according to their own uh, rail authority, the train could not be cl- completed in this century. So what they really should do is just stop. Put down your tools, go back to your pickup truck, and just Stop. Just leave, it'll end it today. You could end it today. No more. Just leave the tracks where they are. There's no tracks. (laughs) (laughs) But this is why they started in the Central Valley. (laughs) In my my mind, I'm thinking like they it's it's undone, right? Like they've laid the tracks to a certain point and then that's like saying like Look, no, I've no been tracks. thinking we really got to break there... up. And I was like, you're in a room by yourself just saying these things. Like, who, who are you talking to in there? Stacy, are you mental? We're not an item. <laughs> that doesn't mean we still can't Happy see Happy anniversary, each other. Wayne. Stacy, we broke up two months ago. Well, that doesn't mean we can't still go out. Well, it does, actually. That's what breaking up is. Well, are you going to go to the gas works tonight? No. 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 Don't you want to open your present? If it's a severed head, I'm going to be very upset. Open it. Okay. Okay. What is it? It's a gun rack. A gun rack? A a gun rack. Yeah, great. I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. What am I going to do with a gun rack? You don't like it? Fine. You know, Wayne, if you're not careful, you're going to lose me. I lost you two months ago. Are you mental? So finally in 2000, I think this is 2019, Newsom comes out and here's his solution. Current project as planned would cost too much and respectfully take too long. You think? There's been too little oversight and not enough transparency. Right now, there simply isn't a path He's talking about from government Sacramento general, right? to San Diego, let alone Fairly. from San Francisco to L.A. I wish there were. However, we do have the capacity to complete a high-speed rail link between Merced and Bakersfield. Now, I know, I know some critics 
are going to say, well, that's a train to nowhere. But I think that's wrong, and I think that's offensive. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, those poor beggars oh, field I was hoping for a, How dare you hoping for a racist in there. But, <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, in closing, bringing this stuff up, here, here's where we were, and here's where we are. And these are the things you need to think about when you vote on these ballot initiatives. So, you were sold a ballot initiative of $33 billion is supposed to be matched by private investment bonds, a high-speed railroads, railway system that would connect Sacramento to San Diego, ready to ride by 2022. I said 2020 earlier before I got that wrong. Here's what you got. A taxpayer price tag of $113 billion being spent at $1.8 million a day. Not a single private investment bond purchased. The track eventually being completed between Merced and Bakersfield with a completion date not even in this century. Wow. Wikipedia is uh, arguing that down here. 2029. But the, these are all, you got to go from when they like, when they said they were originally, like, with their original start date. With, on, what was on the ballot in 2008? No, but you're saying this century. Definitely not this decade. Yeah, this, here's, here's the direct quote from the ro- railway authority. It says, the, ra- the railway authority said it has accelerated the pace of construction on the starter system. That's the track between Merced and Bakersfield. But at the current spending rate of $1.8 million a day, the train could not be completed in this century. My source for that was the New York Times, who did a big expose on this. So that's, well, a, dir- that's a direct quote coming from them. I don't doubt it. I mean... It makes sense to a degree, you know, with California politics. But, um, I mean, if you're spending that money at a federal level, there are real needs. And there are reasons why we have to be taxed um, to pay for those needs. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have a clip here as, as an example. To purchase gas and coal for the uh, future heating season. The scope of this year's support uh, should be not less than $5 billion. Perhaps we will not have to use those limits, but they need to be made in order to guarantee stability. Um, Giving us uh, his, basically what he needs. What he needs. Yeah, he needs $55 billion to cover their budget deficit. Does he? Well, we don't want Ukraine to run a deficit. (laughs) I mean, that (laughs) would be like... That's, yeah, irresponsible. Can't, just, can't watch a country could just go down in flames. Yeah. Like that. So uh, here is the fourth most corrupt country in the world uh, giving us a little YouTube video on uh, basically a Christmas wish list of what they need in order to cover their budget deficit. So it, it's not that you can vote against. Um, we should. We should. I mean, it's comical. It's so sad. It's comical. They're going to get that money. We've already given him over fifty billion so far. That 80 we know billion. Him. Yeah. Eighty billion is up eighty. Yeah. <clears throat> I had an interesting conversation with a friend yesterday that was talking about Ukraine and I, I made some made I poked fun at people with their like they still have the Ukrainian flags up. That's why I played that clip, by the way. I was trying to bait you into telling me how that conversation went. <laughs> and it, it did it was it was very disappointing. It was with someone that I just loved to death, like one of my favorite dudes. But um he just had the same talking points that i get from everyone i was like so tell me what the problem is like what what is it what's the issue that we're solving here like why why are you just knee-jerk on board with this i was like well putin's going in and you just can't go in and like 
overthrow a democratically elected government. I'm all, okay, but we did that in 2014. Did you have a problem with that? He goes, uh, I don't, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so I just Always. give the, the bare bones. Like, well, we basically financed, and I don't have you heard the Victoria Newland phone call and you know, the fuck the UN phone call and how we were handpicking a leader like that was sympathetic to the U.S. interest and no, okay, so you give the background on that and then like so. What about like invading Iraq? What about our presence in Yemen? What about Somalia, Pakistan, Afghanistan? You know, just go down the list. It's like, well, those are all different. I'm like, okay, but how how do we know that was different? It's like, well, in hindsight, I'm like, okay, in hindsight, what? Like Iraq, there was no WMDs. Like Assad didn't gas his people. Like we, we just find out. He goes, yeah, but but now, and he said the same thing that this, our other friend said. Goes, well, now like everyone's saying the same thing. I'm like, who? The State Department, the military? Corporate mainstream media, uh, the FBI, they see all the alphabet agencies. Yeah. Okay. Those are the same people, though, that told us that Saddam had WMDs. Like, what is, what is different? And going back to how we started the podcast, like, at what point do you guys realize that you're being lied to? And, like, I don't, why, I don't know. It reminds me of, like, a, of a goldfish, you know, swimming around. It's like, oh, a plastic castle. Like, oh, a plastic castle. Oh, a plastic castle. It's like, when are you guys going to catch on that there's a plastic castle in here? You know what I mean? When are you going to catch on these people are lying to you about every foreign military intervention? We need to make plastic castle T-shirts. <laughs> That's what I say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Did you make any headway with with our friend? No. Really? No. Because this, I know the person you're talking about. He's got an open mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love having conversations with him, but it's just, it's kind of like disheartening. It's yeah. I don't know. It's just. When everyone is saying the exact same thing, I, I don't know if it's like a personality-driven thing. Like when I see everyone, doing, is. everyone doing the exact same thing, like I have this, That's why I go out the indoor. I have this reflex <laughs> to go, I got to pull back. Something's going on here. This is like this weird mass formation. There's something like someone's, well, someone's attention <clears throat> and, and, and intellectual calories are being kind of brokered as a commodity here. That's how I always feel. Especially when the topic is so illogical. It's kind of like the the Nord Stream pipeline thing. So, oh my God, I brought up the Nord Stream pipeline. I'm like, okay, so who do you think blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? You're like, the what? The Nord Stream pipeline, like that was considered like a, a major, frustrating, a, a major, esca- do some research. <laughs> considered a major escalation in this situation. He's like, I don't know. I'd have to look at that. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I don't, for someone who's, Staunchly anti-war. I sure seem to know a lot about it compared to I'll the take people around me. A couple questions each. Uh, uh, Reuters and Je- Andrea, you guys the first question. Eighty-one million Mr. votes. Mr. President, huh? and uh, thank you, Chancellor <laughs> Schultz. Um, Mr. President, I have wanted to ask you about this um, Nord Stream project that you've long opposed. You didn't mention it just now this by name, nor did Chancellor Schultz. Did you receive assurances? from Chancellor Schultz today that Germany will in fact pull the plug on this project uh, if Russia invades Ukraine? And did you discuss what the definition of invasion could be? 
And then Chancellor Scholz, uh, wenn ich Sie fragen darf, um, if I may ask you, uh, Chancellor Scholz, this is great because there was she's some speaking in German and then uh, that was Biden chimes in terms of sanctions. as if he understood I just wanted to know the whether the sanctions were in Everyone in the room is like, uh huh. Uh, <laughs> it's like the homeless guy that you see talking on the cell phone. You're like, yeah, sure, there's someone on the other line. <laughs> You're not really saying what the details are. Is that just an excuse for Germany maybe to not support the SWIFT measures? Let me answer the first question first. If Germany... Yeah, you'll um, get to the German in a second. Engage, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer... Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. That's, that's a how, will you, Wait, how will you do that? Exactly. Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Hmm. No. No. But what really happened was Vladimir Putin blew up his own pipeline. The one major piece of leverage that he has over yes. the EU and this entire conflict right. blew it up. Yes. It's like 5D chess. Which, you guys like he would Trump never, and his 3D yes. chess? No, no. no this, this is like, like 63D chess. Yes. So obviously he did that himself, mm -hmm. destroying his only bit of leverage that he has in this whole thing to make it look like the Americans did it. It's so simple. It's so obvious. It's so But we are so smart that not a single member of the media or anyone in the State Department or any person, any person at all who has a, I don't know, Ukrainian flag in their bio, for example, is buying it. They saw right through it immediately that obviously right. Putin blew up his own pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, and this, this, this thing that Biden this said evil, here, this evil genius got nothing on Brian Stelter. That that <laughs> is cracked the motherfucking no, case. Exactly, that's for damn sure. I know. Explain that. Give me a fucking break. He yeah. just said right there that, and look at the. You can't see my computer, but this smug fucking look on his face, like we have our ways. <laughs> Would that involve you blowing it up? Well, we uh, we have our ways. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, that one is. Uh, I was excited to talk to that with a couple different people, and I was. I don't know if it's. I'm just gonna assume that they're being honest, but when I get that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard that name before, but I don't really know anything about that. Well, it's just so convenient, like, and maybe it's just because you and I are such like dorks for this stuff <laughs> that we're like constantly researching and looking for these clips and this sound, and we can't really expect everyone else to. But I don't know. Just the common sense to me seems like it. that would be the trigger to make you go – sorry to keep going back to this, but that's uh, – the shortest route off the soccer field is through the indoor. Mm -hmm. If everyone is going out the outdoor, and there's not a good reason to justify it. But to me, the common sense kicks in. It's like, why are we doing this? Right. What the fuck? And that's where, you know, if it, if it all seemed to make sense, I can see, yeah, everyone's on the same page. because it's, 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 Exactly. Look, look for, for a year now, we've known about this pipeline. And we have said like, that we will shut it down. If, if Putin does X, we will shut it down. Right. Well, trust us. We can do it. 
Uh, we are one of the few people with the capability to do it. We stand to benefit from the most, the most to do this. And it gets done. But we didn't do it. We didn't do it. <laughs> you said you could do it and you would do it. I had, I had, I had a roommate who was not bright, <laughs> not, a, not a smart guy. And I walked out into the living room once. This is what this like logic reminds me of. I walked out and he was, was this at the Gravenstein house? Cause I'm no. going through the Rolodex. No, of, no, no, uh, no. Roommates. <laughs> no. And I walked out in the living room and he's wearing one of my shirts. I'm like, Hey, uh, beetle. I is, that, <laughs> is that my shirt? He goes, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. Well, where did you get it? He goes, it was just on the floor in the living room. Well, it's just me and you living here. So if it's not yours. It's probably mine. Wouldn't you say so? He goes, he was up pissy about it. He's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's what you think. I'm going to take off my goddamn shirt. What is wrong with you? That's the same that intellectually that's on the same level as what I when I talk to people. And it's frustrating because his logic, you can't really refute. It's, it's like, like some well, people are so, are, are theoretically so idiotic. You be can't someone else's. Yeah. It could be someone else's shirt. I got in an anti-gun argument with someone and they're talking about like they were against uh, open carry and, and other states. I was like, well, there's a lot of studies that suggest, I mean, if we look at gun violence rates, I mean, granted the rural spots, you know, so it's a little unfair comparison, you know, just standard kind of conversational icebreakers. And like, well, my problem is like, what's the, you know, if everyone has a gun, like what's, what's to stop someone if they're at a festival watching a band and they still take out a gun and, and blow away the singer because they don't like the song they're playing. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I got nothing. I, you won, I guess. No, the, I'll I mean, tell you. I Common Total. human decency? I don't, I don't yeah. I, well, no, but I'll tell I'm, you what I'm to stop it. Here. <laughs> uh, total gun control, total lockdown. Uh, how about everyone has to watch the concert with handcuffs on? Right. Right? Strapped to their seat, and, and buck naked, so they're, we can tell that they're not carrying a gun. That would stop it. Yeah, there you go. Welcome, Tim. Welcome to our concert. It's some, some, some notion. We should put on a live some show. Some notions sometimes. exist so devoid of any kind of, in, any bit of like intellectual capacity that you can't, there's no refuting them. Like you can't argue with stupid people. It's almost impossible. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, I think it's a Michael Malice quote that uh, it's easier to train a smart dog than a dumb dog. No, actually, that's completely the opposite point of what he's trying to make there. <laughs> Never mind. Forget I said that. We'll take that out in post. <laughs> um, have you started reading uh, Chaos? Uh, no. It's good. I would recommend it. We have a, a book club, in case anyone's listening for the first time. Uh, we've been reading the book. Well, some of us have been reading the book Chaos, and we're going to discuss it on air at some point in the future. So... Get to it. It's a long book, but it's fucking fascinating. It is really, really interesting. It and it starts off so innocent and slow. If uh, it's about the uh, Charlie Manson murders back in the sixties, yeah, it has to do with it's the same. Uh, in the wheelhouse as that other book that I was reading, Poisoner in Chief, right? About Sidney Gottlieb and the CIA mind control. Yeah, programs. in fact, Mike, we click on the, the cover 60s. there, so uh, I just want to make sure I'm not giving any spoilers. I, th I believe the. Uh, the subtitle of it is The CIA and the Secret History of the 60s. Well, the book starts out – in fact, he shouldn't have put that in the subtitle because it starts out just as a reporter investigating the Charlie Manson murders and just kind of hoping to get a little bit of extra kind of 
dirt on it because of the anniversary had come up and a newspaper had uh, commissioned him to write this story. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and starts so, going so, so does Poisoner in Chief. CIA it's, stuff. Yeah, it's it just wild. It's fascinating. It is wild what they got into. It is fascinating. And it makes it makes our uh it kind of supports all of our crazy conspiracy theory claims. It's been I like, I had a conversation with someone just recently who is a very just died in the wool, adamant, religious zealot, completely faith based, indoctrinated, statist, leftist, all government is good. And I mean, <coughs> so much so. I mean they they're they there's certain people that they're at a certain kind of echelon of this belief system where they get upset if you believe in any kind of quote unquote conspiracy theories. Like it makes them like angry. And it took me a while to realize I'm like, cause I'm always interested as we've talked about it, in the psychological kind of component of these like interactions. It's like, why did that person get upset there? That's kind of odd to me. Like, why do they care if I believe something kind of outlandish or I'm interested in something considered kind of fringe. And it, it's, I've since have realized, you know, I've been spending a lot of time reading about this and thinking about it. And again, to go back to the, like the mass formation stuff, you know, to read about, you know, cause he's a clinical psychologist and he breaks down the psychology of this is you see that <clears throat> it's, if the conspiracy theories start to poke holes that the state, the cathedral, you know, the authoritarians, uh, whatever the political elite, a lot of those poke holes and, and, and basically the intentions of that, the system, the structure, you know what I mean? The, you know, the power structure. And when you start poking holes in that, you're like, it kind of yanks the ideological rug out from under them. Yeah. Well, it attacks. Because they're like, no, 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 no. The government would never lie to us like that. I'm like, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of evidence that they've given us showing that they've lied about a lot of things that killed a lot of people. And it's so funny. People have this ideological blind spot. They're like, I'm not. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) That's me at work every day. (laughs) Dude, it's because it it attacks kind of part of who you are. You don't realize that your identity it's, is wrapped up in these things that you hold to be true. But exactly. once that's attacked, you have to take stock of who, what what you're made of, and you're like, oh fuck. It's like, we always kind of. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to admit I'm generalizing here to a certain extent, but for the people that it's considered in vogue, in vogue to ridicule organized religion, it's like, well, you have your religion is a statism. Like that's your religion. That void and your soul, you know, that we all have for a higher power or something bigger is you're, you're filling it with the state, with the system of the power structure. I was listening to the most recent, uh, what do you call it when, um, I can never get her name. The press secretary, the press briefing. Yeah. Um, and somebody asked her during the press briefing, so what's up with the lawsuit? going on right now somebody's suing joe biden to have him declassify sixteen thousand documents sixteen thousand pages i think of documents related to the jfk shooting and he had promised that he was going to do it but now he's not doing it Mm -hmm. and so they're suing him over it dang obviously she didn't comment under under a foifa uh foia i don't think so I, I don't think it's FOIA because I believe it's classified documents okay. that only he has the power to declassify. And uh, But he'd said that he was going to do it, and now What's, he's not doing it. I, might I, don't, be, I, might I, be confused. I just saw it today. I don't really know anything about it. I might be confusing with something else, but isn't there is there is a timeline on those after like 50 years or something like that? Something like that. To, yeah, release a certain amount. 
I, I've heard that before, but I don't really know. Yeah. I'm sure they could reclassify them or something, though. Mm-hmm. I bet you there's a way that they're not held to actually have to do that. That's always been... What you do... Actually, I think what you can do is take them um, when you leave office to your home in Florida. Mm-hmm. Just put them in the basement mm-hmm. <laughs> with a lock on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Go on. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds worse than the Civil War. Yeah.